Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Tell you what, going, um, those of you who don't know, Brian and I and our kids are away for a month, I'm sure many of you do. Um, and we got home Friday before last. It was the first time I ever got home and went, do I really want to do this anymore? first time in my life I asked that question. I went, do I really want to do this or if I just chill for the next few years, church is humming, no one will know. I'll just hide in the background, preach on Sundays. And, and uh, it was the first time I've ever struggled for motivation ever. And then someone told me, they said, um, they said no, that's because you had a long enough break to get it out of your system. And uh, so it's been a good week and I've got to tell you, right now I'm ready to go. Um, in terms of ensuring that Jesus Church is strong throughout our region, that it's um, effective in the places where we live, that we're doing everything we can as a people to empower one another as we serve God together, um, that the people who are curious about faith would have avenues to explore faith without pressure, um, and we're committed. I would say this to you, I was very mindful as I went away um, of the thought that that really this, this was a point when I went away, I really felt strongly that this is a point in my life where actually everything into that point in terms of um, leading a church for me was like a line in the sand. Never thought the thought before, and, but I was mindful to rest. That's why you didn't see any social media, even of our holiday for me. Is, and, and I was mindful that I was coming back into, well, whatever the future looks like. And I can tell you right now, the, the one thing I'd like you to know is we do believe, as we head towards Vision Sunday, I'd love you to block that out in your diary. It's more than just a rev up for the year. Um, we're committed to building the future church. I love our church. And when I came back and I walked in, I went to a bunch of churches while we were away, and I walked in and went, man, how blessed are we? Like, just the stuff we have. I didn't see it anywhere, and I, I, you get used to it, don't you? And I walked in and went, hell. Uh, no, not hell. <laughs> This is good. And, um, but our church is great in the present, but we're committed to the church of the future. It's time for the church of the future over the next few years needs to emerge. Business as usual will not get done what God is doing next. So uh, make sure, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying it requires more and endless days of not sleep or none of that. I'm just saying that I, I'm, I think... We're in a place where as the chapel comes and it's, and it's going to take time, and it's going to be slow, and we're going to make mistakes, but I'd encourage you to be here Vision Sunday because we're stepping into the future. And that's not a G up, that's not a rev up. That, that we're talking about things that have been in our heart, run in my heart for more than a decade that, that really have now solidified and, and clarified and we're like, now it's time. And uh, we'll talk about that more. So hope you can be part of that this morning. I'd prefer to talk to you about you. Um, an image is going to come up on the, on the screen behind me. And who, who knows who this woman is? Yes. Yep, some of you. The millennials do. That's what I thought. Malayla is her name, or Malala. Um, uh, this, this woman here, well, she's not even a woman yet. She's still a, in her teens, I think. Uh, um, when she was 11 years old, the BBC were looking for a woman in Pakistan who would write about their plight and, and about um, uh, 
the, the oppression of women and they wrote to this, uh, they contacted this girl's father who, who had started a school for girls and, and she at 11 years old said, well, I'll write a blog. So she wrote a blog for the BBC, as you do, and um, pretty soon, remember the Taliban? Pretty soon the Taliban was sending this young girl death threats and at the age of 12, she was, how many children are here? I've got to be careful now because the aircon's broken next door and some of the children are in here. There was an incident that really could have taken her life. I, I've got to be careful because the children are in the back now. And um, death threats, more death threats followed. They tried to take her life. She's 12. She came back. She continued to speak out. Uh, they moved her to the UK. And then... In 2014, I think, she won the Nobel Peace Prize, the youngest winner of the Nobel Peace Prize in the history of the Nobel Peace Prize. And, um, and I love this statement by her. I don't know what you did on your 16th birthday. She decided to speak to the world. She wasn't looking to be famous. She wasn't looking to win a Peace Prize. She just wants Pakistani girls to be educated. Doesn't sound like a lot to ask, does it? But she said this on the 16th. No child should have to die for going to school. Nowhere should teachers fear to teach or children fear to learn. And together we can change the picture. Here's my question. Is there something that every time you see it, every time you think about it, every time you bump up against it, um, you're affected by it? I, I'm not talking about, you know, everything, because who knows there's... There's need everywhere, isn't there? There's, there's more need than you and I can fix. Uh, I, I don't know, like literally just across our desk, I don't get them anymore. I used to get them. The, 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 we, get, we get a letter every few days for someone who wants money for something that's worthy. And you can't possibly commit to every cause that, you know, can you, you, you know the same. Do you, you, you ever go down the street and someone and you, wants you to commit to their charity and you're like, I just want to say to them, I already do lots of generosity, like that's what I want to say, I already do lots of generosity, I just can't do another one. And so you have to go, no, no, I'm going to commit to this and then I'm going to be generous around that and, and then you've got to move forward. Well, well, it's the same with the things that would, um, would disrupt our spirit, that would stir us that this isn't okay, this isn't right, this could be better. Man, I want to see change there. There's so much of that in the world around us, isn't there? I'm sure you're like me, you feel that. And so I want to talk about that thing that moves you, stirs you, disrupts you, but not everything. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of the thing that would stand out to you like, like this young woman, you know, she lives in Pakistan. There's need everywhere. She could have fought poverty and she could have, you know, had all sorts of, she, she believes in God. She could have chosen to do certain things around this, she, but she decides that the thing that she needs to do is fight the fight and be a voice. She had no idea what that would mean for the silent oppressed in her nation. And, and I wonder what that thing is for you. Is there something that every time you see it, every time you hear about it, every time you encounter it, it's, you go, well, this is not okay. This isn't right. This won't do. Is there anything? This has got to stop. This isn't working. Um, what is it for you? That thing, that, that place, that prevailing uh, scenario, the continuing behavior, whatever it is, that thing for you, it, it moves you, it creates discontent in you, 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 you're passionate about it, what is that for you? Um, obviously, there are many things, but we're trying to shrink it back 
to the one thing. Um, um, it's different to everything else for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, not, it's not like everything else. It's, this is a standout because I want to talk with you about that thing. I want to point you to that thing um, today. It, it's, it's the thing that you're affected by in ways sometimes that other people aren't. I had someone um, contact me recently and they said, Darren, they're all fired up about this area of life and it's important. And um, they said, Darren, you know, what's the church doing? What are church leaders doing? And um, I said, actually, there are church leaders doing, uh, doing things around that area. You just aren't aware of them. Let me give you some names. You can look them up. I said, but hey, you are uniquely gifted in this space. Maybe it's you and not me because I know what I need to get on with. And there are things that stir in your heart that maybe they stir in you more than others or, or maybe, you know, you raise it with people and, and it stirs in them but when they leave the conversation, it leaves too but it still lingers in you. And, and in fact, you've got a filter on it. So, so I'll explain it this way. When we, when we went on holidays, I spoke in a church, we went to a bunch of churches and um, I have this filter when I go to church and it's, it's annoying and inconvenient. So if I go to a church and I feel like I couldn't take my friend there, I have to manage my heart not to get angry. That's honest. And Bron says, Darren, just worship Jesus and just remember what it is. And it's true because they don't need to be affected by it. Um, and then the other thing is I have this filter and going, hey, is this church more connected to the, the past or committed to the future? And it's just a filter of where what really burns within me. What, what is that for you? I want us to talk about that this morning, and if you're not sure, I'd like you to take it home and think about it, because my thought is this, what if God is stirring that in you? What if it's actually God stirring that in you? Because if God is stirring it in you, that means he's got a plan to do something about it, right? And so let's think about it this morning. Why is it that you are so affected by a thing? What are you going to do about that? And what if God is actually the person or the, the, the one, sorry, the one stirring it up? So let's, let's explore this a little bit more fully this morning. We're going to go to my hero in this idea. His name is Nehemiah. He was like a leading government official in his day. He was a cupbearer to the king. Do you know what that at least in part means? That he tested the wine to make sure the king didn't die. Good job, hey? Nehemiah chapter 1 from verse 1, this is, we're going to get to his discontent that God was actually, didn't realize it at first, but God was stirring in him and it would shift everything for a group of people. The words of Nehemiah, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, not sure about that pronunciation, the only thing I'm sure is that that wasn't correct. In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And... So here are his brothers who have been to Jerusalem, seen what's happened, come back, report the news. Clearly they're in some, to some degree affected by it. But they're not moved by it like Nehemiah, are they? There's no mention of them crying. There's no mention of them praying and fasting. 
It's, not, it's just they're just stating the facts. I'm sure they were moved by it. But, and, and it would be easy for Nehemiah to look at his brothers and go, what's wrong with you? Hey, why aren't you moved by this in the way that I am? Well, they're not moved by this in the way that he is because God's placing it in Nehemiah's heart and not theirs. So, you know, for me, I don't want to be too fired up about things that are important to me that are less important to you because, you know, except the things that are common to us, that are biblical and true, we should, as believers, if you're a believer, be passionate about those. But sometimes God puts a thing on the inside of you. I remember a man one time came, Darren, he was fired up about men's ministry in church. And he said, Darren, we need a men's ministry. He's revved up about it. I said, that's great. I said, what's your plan? He said, oh, I don't have one. I just want to bring it to your attention. I said, good. When you're ready to lead it, come back and talk to me. Until then, I'm not leading it. And I don't see anyone else stirred about it. You're the one who's stirred. So why don't you go and think and pray about leading it? Because God placed it in his heart and stirred his heart. And there's things that God would stir in your heart that are unique to you. His place said, you know, what is the thing that Nehemiah, just to look at it, he, he gets busted about this. He gets brokenhearted about this. What busts you? What breaks your heart? What gets you angry? You know, obviously, for most part, my life is in this context. And I can meet people who get angry. Oh, the church should pray more. Yes, they should. Why don't you lead the charge? Mate, the church should. You know, what I love about someone like Soph, who was leading us this morning, is that Soph wants worship to be something that's passionate. She wants it to be something that by these guys is what Christians would call led by the Spirit. And so rather than standing on the fringes and criticizing it, she moves to the foreground and leads it. I love that. That's, that's what it's about. And what God's placed and stirring in you. I wonder what that is. Where do you get angry? Where do you get, where do you get wild? Where do you get brokenhearted? Is it around, what is it? Injustice, the poor, I, you know, mothers that are ill-equipped in a world that's changing fast what the church is going to do about its contribution to climate change. Um, what is it for you? What we're doing on the front rows of the fire, what, what we're doing in prison, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't really matter. What, what matters is, what am I going to do with it on the inside of me? And the question, the obvious question is, is this God stirring it in you? Is this God? Here's what I know for sure, if it's God stirring it in you, is that he hasn't put it there for you to be frustrated by it, tormented by it, and ultimately disillusioned about it. That is not the plan. The plan is that we would do something about it. And so Nehemiah has this going on, and, and he could have joined the generations before him that just, got, just did nothing with it, but he, but he recognizes that there's something going on in him. At this stage, he doesn't even recognize that it's actually God-inspired. He just recognizes there's something going on in him, and he decides, well, here's what I'm going to do. And verse 4 is the starting place for that thing that stirs on the inside of any of us. This is this is, this is certainly how I try to do it myself because I have an idea every other day of the week. Sometimes I have multiple ideas in a day that I think could change the world, like literally multiple times. Now, they're not, of course, and you know that already, but I've got to take those ideas and then I just get them, I stay with them, and then, and then I pray about them. And if my heart's still not wrecked at the end of a period of time, I just put it aside and go, okay, I've just got to work with what God stirred deeply in me and lead that thing or join that thing. And so what is it? And, and, have, and, and the first step would be, I'm just going to give you a simple plan this week, is to just to begin to pray about it like Nehemiah. Sometimes some people, maybe not in this room, sometimes some people talk to everyone who's not going to do anything 
without praying about the God who can do something. Without praying, you know, and I'd say every, whenever I'm having a conversation in a circle that won't change it or will just criticize it, take that conversation, eliminate it, replace it with prayer before a God who might be stirring it in us and want to do something about it and see how he turns up in it. Nehemiah could have talked for, he could have talked for months with the counsel of the unwilling and it wouldn't have changed a single thing. But Nehemiah, instead of taking it up with the counsel of unwilling who weren't doing anything to bring about change but sat on the edge of Jerusalem, maybe criticizing and joking about the mess they were in, Nehemiah says, I'm going to bring this before God because God might just be in it and if God turns up in it, who knows what will, what will happen. And so he begins to pray and he begins to mourn and then in verse 5 we get his prayer, it says, um, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servant, um, for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess, now listen to this next line. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself. He includes himself as part of the problem. He doesn't live in Jerusalem. He's not part of the leaders in Jerusalem. He's a cupbearer to a foreign king in a faraway place. But he includes himself. And he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, etc. Then he goes on, he says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands then, even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them back to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Uh, and They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. He's talking about the king because he was cupbearer to the king. Just to bring it and study in prayer, he was cupbearer to the king and he's going, God, if you'll just turn up in this, I will walk into it. And so thinking about the thing that would just weigh heavily on you, let's, let's, can you identify it? Can you articulate it? And if you can, let's bring it to God in prayer, number one. Number one, and, and I think just setting aside some time this week to go, God, is there something you want to, me to do about this? And not every time, will he? I think of the other scenario, you know, King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, he gets fired up about building a house for God, like a temple. And so the prophet says to him, yep, David, if it's in your heart, go for it. The next day the prophet comes up and comes back and says, hey, I had a misread on that. God, God doesn't, even though it's in your heart, God doesn't want you to do it. Instead, God's going to do this and you're going to lead it. And so not everything that's in my heart, not everything that I'm fired up about is necessarily the plan of God. But to, I think this, if we'll bring it to God in prayer, we'll get clarity around what it is. I'm just looking for this, this Bible verse that is very helpful to me. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3. It says, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Don't you like that? I love that. Commit my works to the Lord and my thoughts will be established. Prayer invites God's supernatural activity into the mix. It, um, uh, when Nehemiah left this prayer period, he, he left with a plan in mind and looking for God to turn up with a miracle on his behalf. 
And I reckon that that's what we want. We, we want to leave that prayer time going, God, I, everything's good, you know. I, I don't know. I, I'm hearing people say, we need to repent. And I realise I, we need to repent as a nation. And when the whole nation repents, well, the fires will go. Can I be honest with you? It's a bit like saying when the whole church has unity, that then we'll be blessed. The church will never have unity. The whole nation, like, it'll just, it'll always have unity in places, but not across the board, not this side of eternity. And, and the nation as a whole is not going to repent. So if we need to repent, well, let's repent. I know churches have all over the country. Great. Now let's, let's repent and let's start to move forward. Let's start to pray for God's wisdom and grace and favour and how we're going to help the people of our nation uh, for innovative ideas, for how we're going to turn the tide of what's going on. I think we want to move into that space and believe for God to turn up with grace and favour and inspiration. And so prayer invites God's supernatural activity into the mix. And, and and I think the other thing is, as Nehemiah prayed, you get the sense that his conviction grew deeper. And I think that's important for us just to do. So that's the first thought, number one. Number two, pray. Number two, dream. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 8 um, says this. And so he's talking to the king. He says, May I have a letter to Asaph, uh, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. This is the first time we actually hear Nehemiah shift from saying, this was stirring in my heart to God is gracing me for it. And sometimes it's okay to progress if we're not sure if this is God or me because eventually we'll run into it. And he recognises that it's God and he begins to dream. Verse 17 and verse 18 are coming up on the screen. Now listen to this. He begins to dream. I also told them, this gathered crowd, this small band of brothers and sisters, about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start building. So they began this good work. Uh, Yep. I missed the wrong verse. So he, he, he um, do this good work and he, he starts to paint a picture of not being in ruins but what God might do and how he might resurrect the city and rebuild the wall and, and restore the fortunes of, of the people. And he starts to cast vision. So here are the two thoughts. Number one, pray. Number two, dream. I, I think that God places dreams in the heart. He doesn't bring discontent to leave us there. He would bring discontent to inspire, I think, a dream in us, which we see over and over and over again in the pages of Scripture, because it's the dream of the changed environment that really keeps us going when all else seems hopeless. You know, for for me, it's the dream in my heart that I can see in the future that maybe at this stage, well, we we don't even communicate it, but maybe no one else believes, but that's okay. It doesn't need anyone else to believe. It just needs to be on the inside of me until it's alive and formed and shaped and it needs to be on the inside of you or to join a dream that already exists because we don't need everyone to have an individual dream. We need Nehemiah had the dream and then other people got the dream on the inside of them. But at some point, the discontent needs to connect with the dream or the discontent will end in frustration. And so whatever's on the inside of you, whether it's, the, you know, you don't like worship or you don't think the church is friendly enough or, or out in your workplace that it's just not a great place to work, getting a dream on the inside that, that if it connects with our discontent. And then the two thoughts are these. If the dream, you know, if I turn up or if we turn up working and if God turns up in the middle of it, what could happen? And the dream is a picture of that. And the reason the dream is important because dreams create a picture of the future that generate passion in the present. 
I can say in my own life, the reason I can get up each day, each week, year after year, um, for me personally, is whether, whether there are critics, and there are critics, of course there are critics, there are people who have all sorts of opinions. Remember one man who I'd helped extensively in his life um, wrote on Facebook to a public audience, including his son, who was a backslidden Christian who I'd really worked hard to build a friendship with and create trust with him around God again. And, and he said, oh, Darren's like this other church. He started out about people and now he's about money. And so I rang him and said, hey, mate, say what you want about me. Don't hurt the church and don't hurt people. Actually, I earn less now than I did five years ago from our own church. So it's not about that. But the fact is that without a dream that you believe is inspired by God, that discontent runs into trouble, runs into turbulence, and it'll just die there. And that's why the dream's so important. Nehemiah, when he comes into all sorts of trouble and difficulty and people who opted out instead of opting in and people who wanted to quit when they needed to keep moving, when he encounters that, what's Nehemiah do? He just keeps moving. He's just moving forward. He's rallying the people of God. He's saying, hey, don't listen to them. Listen to God. And God says that we're going to get this done. And you just keep rallying your spirit. And so the dream on the inside, um, just getting that from God. I believe that God will give that to you. I believe that God will give it to me. And, and if he doesn't want to give you a dream, he'll give you a dream that we can connect to. Someone might well be doing it um, already and God wants to connect us to it. I wish my iPad would stay open. I don't know what it's done. Pray, dream, plan. I'm not going to spend any time there. You understand that. They make a plan, execute. Here's a final thought today. It's great to have a dream and it's good to have a plan. You would have heard this saying, maybe, maybe not. It says... First you plan the work and then you work the plan. It's pretty simple. The plan is what takes us from here to there and, and it takes work in between. So here's, I'm just trying to help you. Here's how I do it because most dreams take longer than we think in my experience. Um, here's, how, here's the process I think my brain through. I tell myself this constantly. Darren, when you start a new thing, there's traction. And when you start a new thing, there's always traction. Someone just about always buys into it and they're fired up about it. Nehemiah did that and there was traction for 26 days. Everybody was fired up for 26 days. And then after about 26 days, there were whispers in the camp, there were critics on the edges, and the people said, hey, Nehemiah, we can't do it. We cannot get this done. And Nehemiah looks at them and says, what are you talking about? Of course we can get this done. For decades, no one did anything. In 26 days, we built half the wall. What do you mean we can't get it done? And he rallies the hearts of the people. He reminds them to remember God. He reminds them of why they're here and what they're fighting for. And everyone buys back in except those who had already opted out. And so there's this process of traction. This in my brain. It might not help you. It'll help someone. Traction. There's initial traction. You get that. Then there's just that action, consistent action. And after consistent action, there's more consistent action. And then after consistent action and consistent action... There's persistent action. And then after persistent action, I found that there's persistent action just in the same direction when you can't see anything much happening. And eventually you come to what I would call this. This is what I, don't, I tell myself. Don't quit now. It, it doesn't matter what we're going after, if it's, if it's God-inspired or just plain worthy. There will, there will be a point for most things. 
in the going after where we have to determine not to quit now. And, and, and the reason the thing that stirs in your heart probably isn't done yet is because so, you're not the first person to think of it. You're not the first person to be stirred by it. But someone maybe who went before you got to the don't quit now and decided they would stop here. And when we turn up in the don't quit now and we keep with just direction, consistent action in the same direction, it's, it's what we call life in the gap. We're not where we were and we're not where we're going to be. We're somewhere in the middle where you can't see the future fully realized and we're turning up working on something that doesn't, we don't know if it's going to come to pass. But I reckon it's worth that we do this. I reckon it's worth this simple idea is that we don't die wondering and that we do live trying. And if God turns up in the middle of it, He will shift everything. He will. He will shift everything. He will shift everything. That's why I'm here. Because I believe if we will get discontent with where it's at and a fire in our belly about what God might turn up and do, and if God turns up in the midst of our effort, and if, and if He by His Holy Spirit would, Spirit would rally enough people to it, that somewhere sooner or later, if we turn up with consistent action in the same direction, God will exceed our expectation because we're about what's in His heart. I believe that with all my heart. I've seen that in our life. And I believe, I honestly believe that we're so, we're closer to the beginning than we are to the end of the thing. So I don't know what that is for you. In a few weeks, I'll talk about what that is for us. I'll ask you to pray about it. i ask you to just ask God for a dream around it or a dream to join. Obviously, we plan and then we do the work. And we don't quit now. And what happens with don't quit now is momentum kicks in. It does, it comes. If we don't quit now, momentum kicks in. That's for another week. So why don't you stand with me? As I wrap, I know that some people in here, they would have had in the past, uh, like just a God dream in their heart. I'd ask you to recommit that to God. That wouldn't die there. And for some of us, you never had it. And for some of us in the future, I just ask you to commit it to God in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.